The three of you meet in a theater for a Pixar movie. In the theater, there is a mysterious stranger. He beckons you to come over to him. And upon further inspection, you realize the stranger is the disembodied legs of your dead father. Make a constitution check against emotional damage. Roll for initiative. Tonight on the pod, we're doing Pixar's Onward. Pops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Huzzah to our listeners, and welcome to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by RevengeOfTheFans.com. I am your DM and host for the evening, Captain Cash the Confident, that 12 of our listeners, hi mom, uh, will get that D&D bit I tried as a cold open. Uh, tonight's episode is the third pod in our quarantine special series, where we're covering movies whose releases were impacted by the coronavirus. Uh, If the last two pods had daddy issues, this episode is the father of both of them, who one day said he was heading down to the corner store for a pack of smokes and never came back. We are talking about Pixar's Onward. Um, As I introduce my host tonight, I would like each of you to tell us your wizard name. Wizard naming convention applies as it is your name, the, and a multiple syllable adjective describing you. Uh, Points for alliterative. So first up, is the podcaster with the most relevant name of all, Thunderous Wizard. Uh, so, I, I'm technically a wizard, so I have to change my name to become a better wizard, and considering this is a Pixar movie, I am Bing Bong the Brave. Oh, there we are. Like, <laughs> enjoy that. And hailing from the realm of Neverwinter, Chumpzilla. Howdy, folks. I would like to be billed as Chumpzilla the Cretankerous. There it is. Your wizard names, Chumps of the Cantankerous, Bing Bong the Brave, and again, I, Captain Cash, the Confident. You can find the pod on Twitter and Facebook at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can also find the Thunderous Wizard or Bing Bong the Brave on Twitter and Facebook at WriterTLK. And as always, I am C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. You can find Chumpzilla in your good mother's dungeon. That's fact, folks. That's fact. And tonight, uh, the beer we'll be drinking is the Sugar Plum Fairy from Alphabet City Brewing Company, New York, New York. I hope those guys are doing okay. I know it's tough there right now, so specifically try to choose a beer that would help uh, benefit those folks. Um, This dark ale is sweet, but still powerful at 8%, uh, not unlike our young wizard, Spider-Man. Oof. Cheers, everybody. Yeah. What should I say? Huzzah! Huzzah! All right. So, getting into it. Uh, this Pixar film was directed by Dan Scanlon, who previously directed Monsters University and a couple shorts for them. The film stars Tom Holland as the young elf Ian Lightfoot uh, and Chris Pratt as Ian's older brother, Barley, uh, the old MCU coming through there. Uh, also features uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus as the boy's mother, Laurel, and Octavia Spencer as Corey. Uh, the quest-giving manticore. Cast is also rounded out by uh, Mel Rodriguez as Officer Colt Bronco, a centaur police officer, and also Laurel's boyfriend, the boy's new dad. Um, Also, just as weird cameos, you get uh, Wilmer Fez Valderrama is in this, as is 
Ali Wong and Lena, I think it's Waith, are kind of the names that I somewhat recognized. Who was Wilmer Valderrama in this? So the guy who recognizes Ian's sweater as belonging to his father oh, went that, to college. That is super uh, random. Yeah. He's, he's yeah. barely Just out of nowhere. I mean, that explains the accent, though. Um, wait, do we know Officer Bronco from anything else? Uh, he was in a handful of things. Uh, Mel Rodriguez. Let me double check. Uh, yeah, because I, I couldn't place that voice. I'm like, I didn't look it up either. Don't get me wrong, but I'm like, should we know who that is? Let's see. Um, he was on Becoming a God. Oh, Becoming a God in Central Florida, but he's also on Better Call Saul. Okay. Wow. Trying to think of what else he might have. He was in Captain's Pants. It's not like... Interesting. Yeah, I just <clears throat> I couldn't pl- place that voice actor when I was watching this. It's kind of it's interesting because it's one of those things where it's a voice you recognize, and because this guy's a character actor, he gets tons of work. But it's just not one that's yeah, like yeah. He's one of those guys. He's in a lot of stuff, but he just yeah yeah. He's one of those hey. dudes. Precisely. Um, IMDb describes this film as two Elven brothers embark on a quest to bring their father back for one day, and I mean, wait a. Yep, IMDb kind of got That's good for me. It kind of checks out. But Bing Bong the Brave, uh, how would you describe this movie in a single sentence? Weekend at Questies. (laughs) I like that. Uh, And and over to you, uh, Sir Sir Chumzilla. Tom Holland and Chris Pratt star in a magical reboot of Tommy Boy. Not bad, not bad. I'd call this Frequency, but make it D&D. Is that too deep a cut frequency? The one where the guy can talk to his dead dad on the radio? Wait, the is that a radio. Michael Keaton movie? Uh, uh, Jim Caviezel. No. No, White Noise is with Michael Keaton. Oh, White Noise. Sorry. It's, it's Same Dennis, concept though, right? Dennis Quaid and Jim Caviezel, uh, a.k.a. Jesus, who just had his big day. So, way to go, Jim. Hey, hey, folks. My favorite zombie-related holiday. Cheers. Uh, I'm still more Halloween, but, you know. Easter's good, too. Yeah, so uh, they did do a Frequency show, in fact, even. So I guess it's, you know, it had a popularity to it. Enough so that there we go. a show. Oh, so not not that bad, then. Anyway, uh, I think Onward is actually our first animated film, and it's Pixar's first ever, ever actual flop, uh, which is kind of insane. Well, we did Transformers. Oh, you know what? That's absolutely right. Okay, this is our first completely digital animated film. Yeah, there we go. There you go. Yeah. Our first completely CGI flop. And, and I mean, honestly, a lot of it was simply owed to having the bad luck of being released on March 6th, about a week before the coronavirus pandemic shut everything down. Um, it yeah. opened to the tune of $103 million worldwide and would top the box office in its first week. And then... Theater stopped being a thing. <laughs> it's yeah. tough because uh, it's a kid's movie. What was the so, budget? Oh, 200 plus, right? Yeah, I'm it was sure around 200. Yeah. Kids' movies mm. generally don't open like gangbusters unless they're one of the more story franchises, like Toy Story or something. So, Elsa. but they have, they have long legs. Better. Yeah. Frozen was kind of a beast of its own. So, so to your point there, uh, Captain Cash, the whatever you called yourself. Uh, this the is my confident. confident, yeah. 
Cool, cool. This is the second uh, new animated movie I've seen this year. I did watch Frozen 2 in theaters back in the before time, which was actually last year, right? But Technically last year, yes. Yeah, within within like the uh, you know last six months or within whatever. Within the last year. Uh, that counts. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I will say this. This was definitely better than Frozen 2. I, like, you know, I thought this was a better movie, better story. It helps being original, but uh, you know, made, made it fresher and newer. But still, this was, I thought, objectively better than Frozen 2. Probably better than Frozen, frankly, because I hate Frozen. <laughs> I can I, just, uh, I, 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 I don't understand why that. I, I get why the kids like it. I get the song is, is good. Let it go, all that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, this was, you know, this definitely, I think what I'm trying to get at is this did not deserve to flop. This was a good movie. It, it's not the best Pixar movie, but it was okay. No. Well, it holds its- uh, considering the guy who directed it, obviously he has talent, but I think Monsters University, uh, it's good. It's not a great Pixar movie. This is good. It's not a great, great. Pixar movie. Uh, it's not Cars 2 or something, but it's not Toy Story yeah. 4. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, so I, I'm really disturbed right now because randomly Zod like unblurs in the background of the Thunder's <laughs> Wizard. It recognizes like, Zod his, as a his, face. His that's eyes right. come out and it freaks me out. I feel like I'm being judged by General Zod. He's always <laughs> he watching me. Always. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, listeners. That's a visual gag you're not going to get. But uh, peering over the Thunder's Wizard's right shoulder is the red-eyed visage of general zod he's actually a wizard honorary wizard for this evening he's zod the zealot ah look at the alliteration you. no wonder you're a writer well to that i guess we should get into the plot summary uh we'll just to be very clear with you all we are going to spoil the hell out of this thing so if that is a concern for you get disney plus you can watch it right now that's actually one of the things we glossed over is this thing got released to vod in i think three weeks and then it, two weeks later it went to disney plus which is kind of nuts just to tell you the state of the world we're in but yeah. in any case if you I haven't seen uh, it i don't feel as bad spoiling a movie that's free unlike you know if, you have, if you po- plus. So you've got a pony well, up to 20 bucks to watch it, bloodshot it's, you it's might as well be surprised movie. occasionally <laughs> with whatever but, that plot could come on it's a pixar with. movie i mean like it works out in the end. I mean, there's not really heavy spoilers here. I think the, I think, you know, I will say this, the movie definitely, um, subverts your expectations a bit. <laughs> right. I, I really, mean, I don't know again, that I agree. Yeah. I was expecting a much more straightforward narrative. I'll be honest with you. I thought this was going to be like a straight fetch quest and they were going to, you know, get their dad. And it's not really how it, plays out i mean they do get the dad but um i thought it was a very interesting decision uh maybe i'm getting a little too far ahead here but i thought it was a a very interesting decision to handle his appearance the way they did that's fair so just to set the stage here the uh the film is set in in a fantasy world that's inhabited by all mythical creatures though noticeably no humans so this thing kind of nicely skirts the whole problem with bright where how is history (laughs) uh but you've basically got elves mermaids dwarves goblins and etc 
Bright was also real. super racist. So. It was also <laughs> super racist. Wait, where this movie Bright? is now. Uh, you the, never heard of the that? Because it was Orc uh, Cops movie. It was Max Landis's Star Wars, so I thought you might have heard of it. Listen, I'm an easy lay for anything fantasy, and I was like, this is not Wait. good. Oh, this boy. Legend? The one with Tom Cruise? <laughs> I wish. No, no. Bright came out like a two years ago straight to Netflix. You could watch it if you, you know, had a Netflix. What's that? Yeah, it's there. Well, it's hard to get in your good mother's dungeon, I have no doubt. Yeah, uh, the Wi-Fi is not great down here. <laughs> in any case, in this world, uh, there was magic at one point. It does still exist, but it's mostly been replaced by technology. And it, did you guys get the sense that it was like a weird... Like, the technology was 90s, but with smartphones? Yeah, it was kind of... Like, there are cassette tapes, and the van itself is very much like an 80s throwback panel van. I honestly think they were, like, you know what? I believe that's a conversion van. Thank a, you. a lot of modern technology isn't at all visually interesting, so let's make this feel 80s slash 90s, but yeah, they can have a phone. It just it seemed... Kind of funny that way. The entire but... character of the brother is like Bill and or Ted from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. Okay. Wild you. I'll be, I'll be overly cynical here. I, I think partially they were leaning on Chris Pratt's, you know, Star-Lord character a bit for some of the analog technology crap. Mm. And... Again, I, I watching this in my head, I felt like Chris Pratt was channeling his Park and Rec, you know, days, uh, Parks and Rec days, and uh, I think again, I really think he was doing his best Chris Farley in that role, playing the lovable goof, because you know he used to be the big, because the character's animated as being like chubbier than the skinny yeah. Ian, right? Barley's burly and all that stuff. I mean, I feel like he was going back to his Andy Dwyer days. I can see that channel and that, but I definitely picked up the dynamic between Farley and Spade and Tommy Boy in this movie between the two of me. You had the lovable goof versus the the kind of weaselly skinny guy. Uh, I don't think that Ian was maybe weaselly. He was more well, yeah. Know, but I mean, that's he, he's still the skinny meat guy. And, and yeah, uh, the point being, point being, it's also a road trip movie. You That's know, true. they spent a lot of time in a car in Tommy Boy. Yeah. And we spent a lot of time in a van in this movie. They they were both playing their MCU characters in a different universe. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. So well, Ian, I, the I, character played by Tom Holland, is the young elf who turns 16, which I guess makes him a man in this world. So sure. That's <laughs> Mrs. Wizard Mitzvah. I, I don't, it's, I've got a lot of questions about the world building, which probably shouldn't go answered, but Ooh. that's one of them. Well, no, uh, I feel like you hit on something there because they go out of their way to try to do some world building in this movie, and it doesn't really like pay off. It's just yeah, kind of like yada yada yada. The whole thing with the with the Octavia Spencer's character, it just kind of it just feels like to your point about the technology thing. It just feels like this whole magic thing is was just like right below the surface, and it wasn't a huge stretch to all of a sudden, yeah the nineties turn into the you know middle, you know, the middle ages at the well, drop of the, the other, hat. 
that's the thing with Octavia Spencer's character, the Manticore, who is ostensibly part of history, but is also still alive. But 16 is when people come of age, so maybe it's just a Manticore's live forever thing. It's never explained, and maybe it doesn't have to be. But that's just one of those things that the nerd part of my brain was scratching. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't real, like, hard. The world building no. was not really hard. It set things up. It set the stage. It, there were some payoffs. I will say this. This definitely passes, in my opinion, the, you know, uh, the Chekhov's gun test. Everything they, oh, yeah. they well, showed, I mean, everything they showed us pays off. It, yeah. I'm not left wondering what the hell in this movie at all. This is Chekhov's um, armory. Like everything up until the very last part of this film is a setup for that last 15, 10 yeah. minutes. Which, which uh, I, I thought was good. Yeah, that's I enjoyed that. Uh, it was satisfying in that regard. And, and, and I, again, I think this, the ending of this movie was not what I would consider conventional, no, especially for a Pixar movie. But I feel like the emotional payoff was there. Like, it, Did this movie do what it set out to do? I think it did. I, I'll agree with that. The only thing I would say is a lot of the times in the Pixar movies when it comes to like give you the old kick in the emotional balls right at the end, there have been several other scenes up to that point that were maybe – a little more fun or emotionally investing where I didn't always get that here. If that makes sense. Like you think about up where, you know, there's all these various turns with the dog or it gets scary for a little bit. And it just, I don't know. I, I didn't get that through the quest part of this because a lot of the quest to go get the Phoenix gem, which is what they have to do to make the spell to summon their dad is like a lot of one-offs and it's a lot of like, here's the magic you need to solve this problem. That was probably the weakest part of the movie. The paint by numbers, skill tree, yeah. uh, magic deal. Like it was very obvious. Like, oh, that's going to be needed later. He's he's going to learn these things. He'll need to use them all in the end. Oh, look, he puts them all yeah. together. That was probably yeah. That was probably one of the weak parts of the movie because that was very. It's Metroid. Oh, you can't get past here without this. Okay, I've learned this. Now. Yes. Oh, now you got to learn this. Uh, yeah, I wasn't interested in the world because it seemed like the history was so much cooler than the present. I would have rather yeah. seen the movie that was full-on fantasy, not, hey, uh, don't forget how awesome the past is. Like, you know, there's, a, there's lots of cool things about history, and it's important we remember them. I would have rather just seen the history. Mm, yeah I, I it, it seemed like a really that. weird take to have like oh yeah we used to have magic but now we're accountants yeah how do you get to that point well and it's you funny know, in a film that's called onward how much it's back looking as far as oh remember this history and how that can be you know and maybe it's you bring the history forward <sighs> and that's the onward but i don't know i you know i think that too really stuck out to me as being kind of shoehorned in there that oh by the way instead of drive on the uh oh yeah on the drive select during the in the van it's onward oh for onward oh for yeah. onward yes yeah, like, that was yeah. kind of so, i think we may have buried the lead here slightly in that they get the staff from their dead father who is giving them a spell that if they say the spell, it'll bring him back for 24 hours so he can meet his now adult sons. Uh, but they screw up the spell uh, and they only bring back his legs. So this entire time you've got Chris Pratt and uh, Tom Holland 
taking their dad's legs around everywhere. And it it's a really weird visual. Yeah. Like, I don't... Well, I didn't mind that. I did mind that it doesn't follow its own rules the entire movie. Like, he can't hear them, but then he dances to music at one point. So. Oh, they, they, well, they specifically mentioned that he can see yeah. the vibrations of the van. Yeah. That's oh. how they dance around that. But okay. it, there is it, a lot And of... frankly, that's how hearing impaired people enjoy music. That's... They yeah, kind of checks out. Okay, well, it wasn't the, movie, the music wasn't but that it, loud, so I don't know. No, and he here's where I will say that I do have an issue with that scene. Uh, Dad's legs exit the van, and at that point, would probably have lost any connection to the rhythm of the music that they were experiencing through the vibrations. It continues to dance out in the lawn. Yeah, see, yeah. that's that, that's what that, I, I don't understand. To your point, that implies that he's hearing it as opposed to just feeling the vibration. Yeah, because like, oh, he's but, dancing now. And it's like, well, now he's 25 feet away, so. <laughs> yeah. So in I, any I've, case. I've got, a, I've got a bigger issue with the movie. Bigger issue with the movie. They run out of gas at some point. Yeah. They have to go get gas. They get a comically small amount of gas at the gas station. And that's the last time gas is addressed in the movie. They get like four gallons of gas and they proceed to drive the rest of the film, basically. It's like, uh, I think they needed to fill up. They just didn't need like, you know, four or five gallons. They needed like, you know, to fill the tank up because they proceeded again to drive for pretty much the rest of the movie. Uh, my answer to that is going to be at one point, our POV character, Ian, falls asleep in the van and wakes up. At some point there, uh, Barley would have stopped to got to get more gas where they were not being assaulted. It also makes no pixies. sense because uh, they, yeah. they learn a spell called like acceleration or something where they ride around on a giant Cheeto. If you just put the car in neutral, you could have done that spell. Well, that's what they do in the end. Yes, that's true. So the gas they, they, thing they, they is just They go back like, to the future in the end of it. The yeah. gas we're, thing we're is going, a very we don't need roads. big... Uh, it's just part of... There's a lot of... Well, this is only happening because this has to happen. Oh, we got these biker fairies. Okay. We and, think they'd be funny. They weren't. They were the worst part of the movie, I thought. I like the movie, by the way. I'm not trying to crap on it too yeah. hard, but I thought they were fairly pointless. Well, well, I've got another issue about the gas. I'll bring it up later. No, no, no. I mean, it, it's fine because basically we talked about how you know they went to the Manicor, they got the quest, the series of quests are a bunch of like, here's a bunch of problems. You have the magic to solve them. They solve them, and they get to the final dungeon. And basically, they're down to an hour with their dad, only to find out that entire quest they took puts them right back at Ian's high school. Um, so Ian yeah. is, you know, understandably kind of upset with Barley. Snaps, he tells Barley off, and he's going to go spend the remaining, whatever, 10 or 15 minutes with his dad's legs um, and kind of watch the sunset. Uh, but then Barley actually finds the Phoenix gym, but in doing so, he releases a curse, which turns into a giant dragon, which is which was I thought was a neat effect because it like pulls in the various junk and things from it's around. It's a stone dragon. Yeah, yeah. He's so like it a rips devil apart high cry school boss. and pulls in. So what? It's like a devil may cry boss. That's what it reminded me of, where you've got the the thing inside this whatever has come together to become the monster that is the target point. Yes. It, uh, yeah, I, I will say that that is probably the weakest aspect of this movie. Uh, I think you, you hit it on this earlier. The 
the Metroid video game comparison. And then here you got basically what equates to a video game boss. Yeah. Um, it felt very formulaic. Like, yep, you acquire the skills you need as you go to get past whatever challenge you have. And then in the end, you put them all together to defeat the boss who literally has like the red weak point, you know, in inside their chest. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much a video game be killed with boss. the final weapon yeah, yeah. I mean, and i mean th- i that felt a little cheap but it, i mean it works that's kind of, that was kind of also the joke it was sort of a meta right the whole yeah whole point of this was it was dungeons and dragons it was hey it's just like the games you know it's very, very much like a magic slash dungeons and dragons type thing that was kind of the deal yeah you know, so it was a I little think, tongue-in-cheek, but it it did feel very video game-like. Yeah, and I think a lot of movies do that. It's just they do it in a way that's a lot more natural than, oh, here is the spell you need to solve your problem. And so it's just a lot more noticeable. Well, okay, so bear with me for a moment. The comparison I would make that a movie that did something similar but it pays off, and that way it pays off, it's just more satisfying, I guess, be like uh, the Last Crusade. He's got the book. He's got the challenges. He has to, you know. There, there's the invisible bridge. You should, like, there's yeah. a lot of stuff there that I kind of like. Okay, but the drama that they built in the Last Crusade felt more real than this. This scene, and maybe it's just the fact of being animated. I just didn't feel the, the tension as much. If I can, no, no. I I like the Last Crusade reference, but for me. It's the Last Crusade, but every scene is that final. Here are your three tests, where it it just it happens again and again and again and again. Yeah, it doesn't really build the stakes. Like that scene with the bottomless pit, I think was meant to carry more weight. That didn't land for me. The bottomless pit part, it didn't really up the ante. I wasn't concerned. Mm. I wasn't worried that Tom Holland was going to die there. Because I knew, like, well, there's plenty of time left in the movie, so clearly he doesn't die. It's a yeah. Pixar movie. Yeah, you know. that's fair. And, and hey, I'm not a kid, though. Maybe to kids, that's got some more suspense. But as an adult, I'm like, well, they're going to get through this somehow. I would imagine me. that those elements appeal, yes, to children. Like, oh, he, he, he figured it out. I just thought it'd be more interesting if uh, Barley, you know, all his knowledge of the old world was based upon a game. Yeah, and D&D, so but it's, he's it's like historical fiction for them. Offering him spells that aren't real spells. And then together they find a book. And organically they begin to do these things together. Like The fact that he owned this game that anybody could own, and yet nobody had been using magic for hundreds of years, that was one of the weaker parts of the world. Because, like, wait a minute. If these spells have existed in this game, you can buy like Monopoly at a store. People would be doing magic because it's friggin' cool. I am I wrong? Like, I mean, they gave no, that away really hard. Is oh, it's but it was difficult to master, so people didn't. Yeah, yeah. That that sure. whole deal was paper thin. Yeah, in my opinion, I mean, like that they they really yada yada that away. Yeah, like, they oh, try because, uh, but, because even in the end, in the end, you know, you get the little post log, and everyone seems to be totally accepting of the fact that Ian is a wizard. He, like, oh yeah, of course, duh. Like, Why wouldn't you be? Why wouldn't you be a wizard? I mean, we all know that you could be a wizard. 
And it's yeah. like, really? Because why are the elves accountants then? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't mean, quite understand it. Like, why isn't everybody? Uh, so, I'll make a point here about the gasoline again, and I'll draw a comparison <laughs> or a parallel to the Super Mario Brothers movie. In that universe, you know, the dinosaurs evolved into the Koopas, right? So oh, there's yeah. no, there's no fossil fuels. Everything's electric. Okay. Well, and that movie, the cars are electric. The dinosaur evolves into Donald Trump in that movie. Is that how that works? That's, that's, that, that King Koopa. That, well, yeah, or Dennis Hopper, yeah. Trump. Yeah. So, so in this movie, you got these mythical characters. So, like, they're still using the dinosaurs for fuel. So, like, I, 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 Could be I, dragons. I drag. Could be yeah. I mean. Plants. It seems kind of weird. Like they clearly have the ability to levitate items. You could have fly- everyone could have a flying car. You would need no fossil fuels. I think in, in that world, ultimately, with the world building, it, it just doesn't add up. Yeah. Add if up. you think it, about this for more than fifteen minutes, it's like it falls oh, wait a minute. Yeah. What? <laughs> I, I guess the point I'm trying to make there is I think they did. They they were way more clever in the Super Mario Brothers movie in terms of the world building <laughs> than in this one. I think you just kind of it's paper thin. Don't ask too many questions. Yeah, they all they all forgot about magic. Don't worry about it. Like bright, but less racist. That is the worst thing you could say about a movie that the world building was thinner than the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh. <laughs> to be I, fair, I, though, all that, that world building surprisingly deep, though. This is <laughs> all in so service funny. to the big payoff, which really, for me, there is no other Pixar film that is so built on its last 50 of this one. because even in getting the cursed dragon to come after barley he gets the phoenix gem and ian is able to bring back their father for the last two minutes that they have together and in that moment he realizes that all the things that he wanted to do with his dad he's already done with barley and that barley has never had that you know had lost that father figure and never got a chance to say goodbye so he decides to fight the cursed dragon and let his older brother have the goodbye with the dad and i mean that was brutal and then to see him utilize all the magic that his brother taught him to fight off and ultimately defeat the cursed dragon with help from the mom and the manticore who bring the the ultimate weapon the cursed crusher sword um that was yeah. really good. And at the very end, uh, you know, Barley comes and he talks to Ian about, you know, what their dad was like and what he wanted to say with his, you know, 60 seconds he had. And he does the, you know, hey, dad wanted me to give you something. And then Barley gives his younger brother a hug. And it's like, oh, damn. Mm, right in the yeah, no, of my heart. I, again, I think, uh, you know, Ryan Johnson needs to watch this and take notes on how to subvert uh, expectations because uh, that was not the way I thought this movie was going to end. Uh, it was not the most straightforward or linear way for the movie to end because you were kind of, I mean, let's be honest, Tom Holland's Ian is the main character of the movie, but he doesn't well, get the big cathartic moment. The, that moment basically happens not off screen but out of focus yeah effectively we we don't actually get to hear the conversation between barley and their father um because we're focused on the story of ian and that battle with the dragon uh but he does get his his uh uh moment with barley at the end 
where they discuss what dad said. And I thought that was a really interesting way to end that arc. Like it wasn't what you were expecting, but it's satisfying. It got Ian what he wanted. It got Barley what he ultimately needed because yeah. you found out he had never got to say that goodbye. Like I, I was impressed. I thought it was a really smart way. I, and I think probably part of the problem with this movie is I don't think kids are going to appreciate that. Uh, I think kids are going to yeah. be a little let down because they're yeah, really but... you're riding your ride or die with Tom Holland in this. If you're a kid and he doesn't quite get what you expect. So, I, I mean, I don't know if you're, if you're six, seven years old, I don't know if you quite grasp the, the profound nature of that ending. This movie is a, uh, well, really it could just be any parent, but it, it's a father, son, father, daughter, whatever movie. Because I think if you're watching it with your, your 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 kid and they see how it affects you, then they can probably begin putting two and two together. And my kids are too young, but still, like as I watched it, it it kind of tore me up. But then I was thinking, like, you know what? God forbid anything ever happened to me, they'd be fine because they have each other. Like, that's what the movie made me think about. And it really, it, it had one of the bigger yeah, emotional that, payoffs of that's any where I would, Pixar movie for me. That's where I would quibble with you. I don't know, like, yes, the father-son dynamic sort of drives the movie, but it, ultimately the movie is really about the brother. Well, yeah. It's that, really about their bond. Yeah. That's, that's the theme well, and, onward. And, like, together, we're going to move onward, you know, like. I didn't know dad well from our father. You didn't get to know him very well, but through him, we're going to build this inseparable bond. And even though they didn't feel that close growing up, they were building that bond all those years, like all the life lessons and all the things and all the life experiences he was having with his brother. But he never looked at it like that until he had that sort of moment of clarity. You know, like I didn't get to know dad, but you know what? I didn't need to know dad because I understood dad through him. So really, yeah, no, I, mean, no, I agree. Well, yeah. I wasn't super high on half the movie. I thought it was, you know, pretty rote and boring, but because it ends so well and it sticks the landing, I love it for that. But, you know, all the things we said about it do apply. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I think it was a really interesting choice for the ending. Like I, I agree with you there, Mr. Wizard. I think the ending really makes this movie. The buildup is not the greatest. It's not the. It, it, it's a good movie. It's not the greatest Pixar movie. It's not Toy Story three, but um, the ending does have that emotional oomph to it. The old and, Pixar. In a, way, in a way, you're not expecting it. That's. I think that's what I enjoyed. Yeah. Is that I? I didn't expect it to end that way. I think no, no, that's fair. I, I, I kind of thought, I, although they kind of telegraph it when uh, Barley at the in the, the basically in the last third of the movie reveals that he does have an uh, an extra memory of their father and his it's not saying goodbye. You're like, oh, that's going to be addressed. Yeah. Right? Again, back to my my Chekhov's uh, gun comment. You, okay, like, oh, that's going to have to be taken care of, and it is. But like, I think they did it in a smart way. For a movie yeah. that follows like really uh, sort of telegraphed beats, and like everything is in service to uh, a pretty straightforward plot, the ending kind of comes out of nowhere. 
I did not, you don't expect it considering everything else. Like, oh, we need this. We have it. Oh, we need this. We have it now. Yeah. No. So overall, I think we'd all agree that we like this movie. But uh, how many beers is this movie for you guys? Uh, two. Two beers. Uh, it's it's a fun little ride. Uh, if you think about it too much, yeah, most of its world doesn't hold up. The logic it has built into itself makes no inherent sense. Uh, but the characters but it's also are also a kids movie, yeah. so yeah. characters yeah. are likable, and uh, it's got a lot of. It's visually interesting. Like all Pixar movies, all look great, but I like the world they built, even if it isn't a particularly deep world. Like visually, it is stunning at times. Uh, it's got some interesting uh, quirks to it, like the gelatinous cube. I liked. That is straight from D and yeah. I'm honest. Yes. When we got that, I was kind of surprised. Like I was waiting for a beholder to happen. You know, I think if I played D and yeah. well, I would have loved every second of the movie. Well, I, I think it's interesting if you look in the credits. They specifically call out uh, the bull. Holder and yeah. Gelatinous Cube. Those guys get they're checked in the in the credits as like yep, those are straight from Dungeons and Dragons, and build as such. Um, yeah. I did enjoy I did enjoy that. That was a nice nice touch to have that in there because again it adds some legitimacy legitimacy. Jeez, uh, I can barely talk. It adds some legitimacy to all the stuff Barley is saying throughout the movie. Like, yeah. It you know granted it's not like his stuff doesn't work, but it's just. It helps with the whole point of him building credibility, even with Ian. Like you get, like, yeah, okay. He's not just he's a loser, right about this, which stuff. is how he's yeah. sort of yeah. built yeah. as being which, a shiftless guy who's failed to live up to his potential. Which I thought was really interesting in a kids' movie because that's kind of dark. The whole <laughs> thing about him being a screw up and his brother calling him a screw up and well, like, you know, like that's legitimate. Like that's heavy stuff. Yeah, like you're telling like it's not just like oh you're not good at sports. It's like no, you're kind of a fuck up at and, life. Uh, at well, life, I and think there is that. And his mom even like yeah, she chimes in talking on. about his longest gap year ever. I think there's a there's uh, a she doesn't say this is the longest gap year ever, but she also goes out of her way to speak to Barley in his language, where he's like, if your people are in my realm, we're gonna go to war. So you can tell that it's yeah. Oh, there's like, a loving relationship has, there. It, yeah, she has normal parental yeah. frustration. I feel like she takes yeah. an interest um, in his interests, and I think that's part of the movie too. Is like, hey, you may not find what I find interesting, but it's important to sometimes converse with people about that because you know that they like it or they care about it or invest yeah. in it. Yeah. So, Chumzil, how many beers was this for you? You said oh, it's it's. A, Two beer movie. I agree with the Thunderous Wizard on this. Yeah, that's kind of what I had. The enjoyed two pints of grog with this. I think. I, I, for me, it was a two beer movie. If you like fantasy tropes, you can probably get away with one. But at the all, and at the end of the day, when you're having a, a couple beers to a, a Pixar film that is very clearly for like the, ten ish crowd, maybe ten to twelve crowd, kind of gotta evaluate your life choices. So, yeah, I mean, this is a day drinking movie for me. Yes. <laughs> like, all right. But, uh, when we yeah. come back, we're going to talk a little bit more sort of about open ended, crazy what's going on with the magic and uh, the glory of the Pixar tear jerker. So hang tight and we will be back. 
And welcome back to Hops and Box Office Slops as we continue to talk stars onward. So for me, the big thing, I think a lot of how much you enjoy this movie is whether you thought the magic worked. And I mean, I don't mean physically within the realm, the realm of the story, but you know, did you get into it? Were you able to buy it? Did it work for you? Um, for my part, it felt a little too obvious <laughs> like they, there was always immediately a spell for whatever the problem was which wasn't great um, but at the same time the way it comes together at the end and he uses all the spells to fight the dragon lets me kind of give it plenty leeway what are your thoughts there uh, bing bong the brave so for most of the movie i agree it's very generic i think it uh it peaks when they find that cave and they're faced with a whole bunch of different obstacles and they're thinking on their feet and doing things really quickly. That's the gelatinous cube part. Uh, and then at the end, even though, yes, these are all the generic spells he learned, then he incorporates them in a really cool and fun way. But the buildup is just, it's lacking. Like I would have liked less obvious spells than mm -hmm. what you get. And Chumpsilla the Cantankerous, speak from your heart's fire about what is your feeling on this magic. I'll reference back to the Thunderous Wizard's comments about the, the Metroid-like aspect of adding the skills and building your skill tree. It was a little, I guess, obvious. Uh, the ending works. And honestly, though, if, if you don't think too hard about it, the magic it it just it works it happens it's okay but yeah it's very like plot convenient magic for the most part it doesn't feel entirely organic yeah that's it i that's i think the, the challenge it is incredibly convenient almost every single time there are there are a couple examples <laughs> where it's it's not, not as bad like hey we'll make more gas by making it big yeah that uh, was interesting because much like Dungeons and Dragons, you can let your players make some interesting choices and the outcomes can sometimes not be what they expect. You're right. And that to me was a very tongue in cheek kind of reference to Dungeons and Dragons. Like, yeah, sure. Oh, you can do that. Yeah. Go ahead. Try it. But it might not work out how you want it don't, to. Don't roll a one. Don't yeah. roll a one. Don't roll one. But, um, uh, you know, I, I will say this, though. Here's where the magic doesn't work for me. The movie really wants you to identify with Tom Holland's Ian. And you want this magic to mean more. Somehow you you want it to be tied to the dad character. But ultimately, it's really not. It, it's just like a plot convenience that moves the story along. It, it, the magic itself never really has any kind of like emotional payoff. You, I guess you get some growth with Ian. He disagree. becomes more confident in himself in the end. He's obviously teaching magic class at high school when things over, but I didn't feel that during the movie. Like I never felt like I never felt that big pull between him and the magic. It always just felt like just a MacGuffin to get past the next challenge. It never felt like it was really a personal growth for Ian. My only disagreement there is when he does finally cast what they have set up to be the ultimate destruction spell, the Voltor Thunderseer. 
he casts that on the dragon and it basically explodes the dragon so he can send the the sword into the dragon's weak point or whatever where he's tried to do it he's tried to do it he's failed every time he's done it but it's it's the culmination of his ma- magic is his ability to cast this single spell that's going to save his brother's life so that he can talk to his dad so like i agree and like that it's plot convenient and i think particularly the the invisible bridge scene i think that that's where it fell on its face a little bit where the Fair. spell is literally like what is it it's like bridge regar invisia it's like if you'd have been like the spell you're going to cast is float or the well, spell you're going to cast is you know something I, that wasn't like we need a bridge here's the bridge spell I what I will say is that actually does pay off a bit because when he uses it during the oh, dragon yeah. battle, it's actually pretty cool. It's one of the cooler uses of magic in the movie. Oh no, I agree. But, I agree. But but the introduction was kind of yeah, that wasn't great. The, the yeah, way the, they used the it. The way he uses scene. everything yeah. at the end is really, really clever, and it, it it does go to what you're talking about, where at the end he does that D and D thing where you can use a spell to do a thing that's not necessarily on paper what it's supposed to do, but it makes for a really interesting effect. And that's, that's the entire final fight. But, you know, I think that's the, the real issue ultimately is that the way it's introduced feels very, here's your problem. Uh, Here is the spell that fixes that problem for me. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, magic should feel like more than just an elaborate puzzle. Not mm. even elaborate. It's not an elaborate puzzle, but a generic puzzle with very simple pieces that you go, oh, yes, this is the piece I need. It's the invisible bridge spell, which, why is that a popular spell? How many times did they need an invisible bridge? Who knows? No, that's a really good point. I mean, basically, it's just... Uh... Mage hand would have been the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, all the magic just seems really like specific and like oh this is exactly what we needed for this moment but i you know again i'll go back to my original point if you don't think too much about it there's not a problem Fair. at all yeah. if it's... you don't if you don't drill down to it and you stay on the service level kids aren't going to question this yeah I that's, guess that's what i'm trying to say it's, kids are going to question it's it. the most creatively bankrupt well, portion of a movie that's all about creativity and fantasy it just wasn't very interesting so that's, I mean, that's, at the end of the day, that's yeah, the fair magic. enough. So you'd say ultimately, Chumpzilla the Cantankerous, the magic worked for you, but Bing Bong the Brave, not so much your, your thing. Well, I think in the end and in the one scene, they figured out a way to make it at least fun. But in those moments where he's learning the different spells and the whole thing is, oh, magic's so hard to learn, but he can do literally every spell but the one. It's like, yeah, everybody, I still, I stand by, everybody would be doing magic. Okay, so I have never seen a single Harry Potter film. Okay. How does... Okay, uh, I'm an adult. um, And my kids are just right in that gap area where Harry Potter wasn't a thing. Um, So how does the magic in this movie compare to the magic in Harry Potter? Because I would imagine for most folks, that is the current benchmark for movie magic mumbo jumbo lower the rings a little bit but 
I'm going to go mostly. This is definitely more in the vein of Harry Potter than than uh, Lord of the Rings. You don't know even for fair. a fantasy movie. So how does the magic uh, compare in this movie to Harry Potter? Because I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's fairly one to one. Here's why I think it's better than Harry Potter because Harry Potter has a fully realized world of muggles and wizards. They're separate. Whereas this is what are muggles? They're you, because you're a muggle. You don't believe in magic. I'm, like, uh, I'm a muggle? Oh, yeah. Damn it. You're, are, you, are you picking I, that up? Such a muggle thing to say. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I feel attacked. So like, there's a separating wizarding world, which is fully realized. It has a wizarding school. You're fully immersed in that. Whereas this has decided that that's a thing of the past, and everybody's given up on that, and there's accountants and... They're basically turned into muggles. They've given up on their wizarding roots. What makes Harry Potter so much fun is like when you feel like you go to Hogwarts, you feel like you're somewhere different. This feels like suburbia with elves. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's And fair, a lot less Alan I mean, Rickman. Yeah, as fo- yeah, I mean... Certainly uh, less Alan listen, Rickman. If we could find a Phoenix gem, hear me out, we find a Phoenix gem, we get a wizard staff, and we bring Alan Rickman back for 24 hours, and we have him record this film as all of the characters. I feel a, like a that's... A diehard reboot. What? What? I, I mean, would, that's fine, too. I would actually prefer the diehard, like a live reading of Die Hard, where I get to be John yeah. McClane. I'm, I'm in on that. He's also excellent in... Uh... Uh, uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Everything. This is our quest. The answer right. is everything. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. So at the okay. end of the day, magic is, it does what it does, but it is very much a story tool more than it is anything else. I, I believe the internet would say, as far as <clears throat> as the magic goes, that your uh, mileage may vary. Your mileage may vary. TVTropes.com. Stay away from that. You'll go insane. Uh, no, it's actually great. No. You know what? No. Zod peeking over the thunderous wizard's shoulder is what's going to cause me to go insane. That will also do it. He's staring into my soul. Neil. <laughs> and, it's, and it's random. The best part is it's totally random. It has nothing to do with the position of the thunderous wizard's head. It just occasionally the AI decides Zod should stare into my soul and I get Zod. That's him escaping the phantom zone. Yeah. To, to torment me. It's, been, it's, it's, it's a struggle, but he'll get there one day. Yeah, clearly. All right, so we have talked a lot about how this movie does pay off very well, and it is absolutely in the pantheon of of Pixar tearjerkers, where it is just it is a moment or a scene or a part of the film where it just rakes your emotions over the coals. It kicks you in the emotional taint. Uh, just it is crushing and makes you feel deep feelings. Um, so with that in mind, what I would like to know is what are your favorite or maybe most affecting Pixar tearjerker scenes? Um, this can include things like Andy saying goodbye to the toys in Toy Story 3 or when Wally is hurt and Eve's trying to revive him and he comes back only to crush all the things he's been collecting and you think Wally is alive but the personality of Wally is gone. So uh bing bong the brave i think i have a pretty good idea what yours is but i'd like to hear it all the same so uh you mentioned one that i'm gonna have a top three but i'll elaborate on the number one choice so andy saying goodbye to the toys is a serious serious punch to the gut uh 
mainly because Toy Story is the best. It's the best series of Pixar movies, and most of the Toy Story movies are my favorite Pixar movies. And Toy Story three in general is one giant. Just, it's a wrecking ball. The whole movie, yeah, just sets out to destroy you emotionally, and it's awesome, and it's a beautiful movie. Uh, it's wonderful. Okay, so quick aside here, quick aside. As far as the Toy Story films go, because I think you're right, hands down, best series of uh, Pixar films. They're all solid, no misses on those. Is three better than one? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think two's the best though. So I disagree. Really? I think two's my favorite. Because I think most people think the third one is the best. Well. I think it's the better movie, but I give credit to the first one because it's such an original idea. Because I, you know, again, I, I will freely admit, I think the third one, like you said, that whole movie is just a masterclass in taint punches. Um, but <laughs> yes, it is. But but emotional the, taint punches, not emotional taint punches. Not literally, yeah, the the pre narrow area. Um, but I think the, the if you go back and you watch that first movie. It's not as polished. It's not as slick. But it. It lays the groundwork for what you get in that third movie, and it's just amazing. That 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 first movie is an original idea. It really stands out to me. And it raised but the honestly, bar you for like, Pixar. You like two way high. You it, but but you're a two guy. You're I do a, two, love two. a Toy yeah. Story two two guy. Really, two must. Okay. I mean, so, it, interesting. It's got to appeal to the collector in any of us. And uh, Newman, is, what is the real purpose of the toy, right? And I just had a bunch of my old Ninja Turtles sent to me by my mother because my son is obsessed with the original Ninja Turtles show. And to me, the joy of toys was always engaging and playing and having fun with your toys. And, you know, like, no matter how long, at least you were loved. That's sort of the point. Like, that's the purpose of a toy. Uh, I really like Toy Story. They're all good. Now... I would put Buzz and Woody's Final Farewell above what happens in Toy Story 3 because it's 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 very personal between those two, the two lead characters of this just incredible series, and this is their last goodbye. Uh, and there's a great and story. That's number two for yeah. kicks in the balls or number three? Number two. And then, of course, considering my coffee mug that I'm currently drinking out of and my name for the pod, Bing Bong, the brave bing bong sacrifice holy cow i i'm tearing up now thinking about bing bong's sacrifice because take her to the moon for me i think we're Uh-oh. yeah i think we're all Shit. nostalgic about you know things from our childhood obviously uh and bing bong the imaginary friend who cared more about the kid than just about anybody else in that movie aside from joy it is oh man that is heavy i did not expect it either because i love i I was having so much fun with bing bong i just didn't think it was going to end i he is your friend who loves to play yeah he's cowley i I we're talking about the fork guy from toy story 4 bing bong no the imaginary friend from inside out inside out what? He's mostly made of cotton candy. He's got an elephant's 
nose. He's got whiskers. He's a, he's whatever he the kid thought about and created this fun friend that she had all these adventures with. And then he literally saves I've never her. seen the inside out. He sacrifices oh, himself. This makes, this makes more sense now. That That's the movie with like the emotions and the uh-huh. head yeah. that are like... And it okay. is, it is I've heard good things Pixar about movie. that, but I... Yes, it is great. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it might so that, be top three Pixar movies. So yeah. I need to pirate that next. Okay. All right. So, Chumzilla, what is your Pixar tearjerker? You can do a number three, but really, we're, we're, we're good with one. Yeah, no, I, I will say this. I kind of hinted at it. I was trying to lay the groundwork for this. Um, I agree. I think the Toy Story movies are the best series of Pixar's films as a whole. Um, three was just, I saw that in theaters. That was the first one I saw in theaters um, with my kids. And that that was one of those, I think the best part, the best thing you can say about the, the Toy Story movies is that they're for kids and adults. And a lot of the Pixar stuff falls into that category. I mean, this but, movie certainly did. Yeah, and uh, in Toy Story, certainly it's good stuff. Um, I never All thought except I would for Cars it. Two, which is a hunk of crap, like the central character. Yeah. <laughs> Even my kids didn't like Cars Two. I should tell you two. something. God, I hate Cars, Cars One. Two. <laughs> Cars One got a lot of repeat on the DVD. Cars, Cars Two, not good. so much. Cars Three is good, not great, yeah. but it is good. At least they have actual yeah. themes to them. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. No. Well, so, I was just going to say, I, I, never in a million years did I think that we'd get a, a, a Disney-backed animated film featuring Forrest Gump and a Coke dealer from Kalamazoo that tugged at our heartstrings <laughs> in the way that it did. Tim but, Allen. Uh, Tim Allen, yeah. He's a felon. Um, so, <clears throat> Ran it out a lot of people. That's true. Yeah, yeah. But my personal favorite Pixar film is Wally. I think Wally is the best Pixar movie I've ever seen. The movie's smart, it's emotional. Um, but as far as gut punches go and the movie that makes me tear up as a grown man, for me, it's up. I uh, up to me is a very emotional film. Like I, as an adult with a wife and with a family, and a little bit of, you know, I'm approaching, you know, the middle of middle age, you know, mortality and, and all that stuff comes into play. That is actually a pretty intense movie. Um, that if, you, if, you, if you allow minutes, it to be. Yeah, yeah. If you allow it to be, that movie can get to you. Um, it touches the same parts of my heart as Captain America's arc in the MCU does. Like the, the stuff with Peggy Carter and Cap up touches those parts of my feelings. I and will I, I, get, say I get a little misty eyed. I will admit. I, I bought the up DVD at a, oh, was it a Joseph Beth or somewhat similar? Like this is in the before, both in the before times, in the long, long ago. When it, DVD an FYE. Yes. And I showed it to my wife. And in that first 15 minutes, she looks at me after having bawled the entire time of that first 15 minutes of Up and goes, why did you show this to me? Yeah. Well, that's one uh, of the reasons my uh, wife won't watch Pixar movies really with me because she knows what's coming. She doesn't yeah. want to She doesn't want to have that kind of ink on Sugar Mountain. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like of mice and men for kids. They want to make you, I mean, I love that they're emotional and I love that they, they play on these real world themes, but if you're not into crying, 
Pixar is not for you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Well, I, it, this this movie uh, did not. I cried. Move oh, me man, to I don't know. Yeah. When Barley embraces Ian. Yeah. I, oh, I was like, oh, shit. Dad told me to give you this hug. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, okay. I, was, I was too busy being concerned for the mom getting railed by the centaur. Like, <laughs> oh, I, I, I got questions about that whole interspecies relationship thing there. That that was bound to come up. That was bound to come up. And, it, that, and I, I do want to address it. I do not want to address it in this moment. Let us continue to talk about the tearjerker. I'm just going to say that Rule 34 is in full effect on that, oh, I, and I'm I terrified what Jesus the internet God. will do with it. Oof. I don't, the internet I, is I a terrible place. I don't know what that means, but and that, I, I don't want to. Let's just uh, put it that way. Yeah, dead. Turn My the safe search on for that one. Is that like movie 43? or No. No. <laughs> Rule 34 of the internet is... No, you don't have to elaborate. No, I will. I mean, because this is a fact. It's yes. Rule 34. We all know what this is. Rule 34 states that there's a porno of everything. It, if, if it exists, there's a there porn, of, porn it. of it. That's um, all it is. I mean, I guess that's, it's that's not the so rule. much a rule as a truism. It's like this is yeah, a I mean, fact if, of if, life. You take the good, you take the bad, you take a centaur up the rear. The facts of life. Yike. Uh, okay, here's one that will get edited out of the pod. Poor Mr. Hands. Mr. Hands. You guys don't know about Mr. Hands? Who's Mr. Is Hands? The horse who could count. Okay, so so <laughs> this is he, he has a Wikipedia Hans? page. He has a Wikipedia page. Uh, he was an engineer for Boeing out in uh, Washington State. He and um, a select group of uh, equine enthusiasts like to fornicate with horses. But poor Mr. Hands uh, suffered a perforated colon and passed away. But there's film of of his uh, encounter, and that's not his real name. He, he has real. You can Google it, Mr. Hands. It'll it'll come up. He has a Wikipedia page. But yeah, nope. Mr. Hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Death by horse dawn. It's a thing. Nope. Yeah. I will All right, so uh, that's a bad can I do my tear jerker? Yeah, <laughs> it's not Mr. Hands. Right, so, uh, yeah, after that, yeah, go nuts. <laughs> yeah, wow. <clears throat> well, Mr. Hands. I mean, let's pour one out for Mr. Hands. <laughs> what you got to do, I guess. I mean, you you phrase that in a delicate enough way. I think it could stay. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't delicate enough. Wait, no. is Mr. Hands related to Uncle Fingers or? <laughs> Is Mr. Hands the horse or Mr. Hands is the guy? The guy, the guy. Like that was like his online handle, Mr. Hands. So, so basically, these dudes, these dudes, they took it like it's a badge no, no, on no, no. to take horse dog the, the butt. We, we got the answer. So they, Good. We're but, step up. I mean, they, I mean, it was covered by the media. There's, there's, you know, it's yeah. a dark Fair. part of humanity. So for me, when it comes to Pixar movies, not only my favorite Pixar film, but also my favorite tearjerker is in Coco. That movie is full of tearjerker moments. Yes, but it is. <laughs> like, whether it's the Remember Me song where you find out that it's not a bombastic, like, I'm so great song. It's a lullaby to a father who never got to see his daughter again. Or, uh, P.S., I'm spoiling the hell out of Coco, too. So uh, get on that. Watch that movie. It's fantastic. Um, or when you, f- But for me, it's when it's at the very end of the film. 
where Hector, the ghost who has been denied the ability to visit his family in the land of the living this whole time because no one had a photo for him, he actually gets to cross the Marigold Bridge into the land of the living. And he spent the entire film to this point in various stages of disrepair. Like he's got no shoes, his clothing's all tattered. Um, but when you see him in the end, he's a little more cleaned up. And right as he's about to cross the bridge with his family, he looks down at his feet. And after spending the entire movie barefoot, he's wearing shoes. And then you remember the family is famous for making shoes. And he looks up at the camera and gets this little smile. And then he crosses the Marigold Bridge. And every time I see that, I'm like, oh, Jesus, God. Ah." So those are our Pixar tear jerkers. Uh, What are yours? Hit us up on social at hops and bo flops on twitter and facebook um now gentlemen we are going to move into the movie challenge of the night the winner of this challenge will get a curse breaker sword let's call it or as generous as chumpzilla who did send me a giant sized man thing number one uh thank you yeah i did really that was fantastic uh, but no, uh, we are going to be talking the alternative movie title challenge. That is the the game tonight. So, uh, okay. Onward, I thought, was a bit of a weird title for a film. We kind of talked about it where, you know, the the drive on the van is over onward. But, it, you know, it, I thought it was about the boys moving onward from the death of their father. But the whole time they're spending trying to get to see their father. I, I don't really know. Um, but this movie did, as a result, wind up retitled in a number of different places. Um, in Japanese really? and in yeah, in Japanese and in Chinese, the the new name for this uh, was One Half Magic. Um, I think in a couple other like Latin America, what? it became some yeah, it, One that, Half Magic. That is a definitively worse title. Yeah, I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying they renamed it to make it more obvious what this was about. That, that doesn't sounds, even make sense. That sounds like a bad it's half romantic the guy. comedy. He's only got his leg. With Sandra Bullock and Andrew McCarthy. Yes, Andrew McCarthy somehow got popular again and was in a romantic comedy with Sandra Bullock. One half That's, magic. One half magic. Other half yeah. has been. Uh, That's not nice. Uh, no, I'm sorry, Andrew McCarthy. You're not wait, was that Mystic Pizza? <laughs> She is in a movie called Practical Magic. Yeah, Mystic Pizza might actually work as a title for this if there were pizza. Anyway. Um, what the about the Manicor's place? I'm pretty sure she had pizza. She must have had Mystic Pizza. Yeah, didn't she make mozzarella sticks? So. I will give you the title. I will give you four multiple choice answers. And as a bonus, you can tell me what language you think this is retranslated from. Okay. So, Good Lord. Using the example of Onward Now... If I were to say one half magic, the correct answer would be onward. Onward. And what language do you think that was translated from? Japanese or Chinese. Japanese or Chinese. So you would get two points. Mandarin or Cantonese. It's almost definitely Mandarin. To chime in, I would like you to shout Voltor Thunderseer, and I need you to hear it from your heart's fire. Okay. Heart's fire or heart spire? Heart's Fire, your heart's fire! But the kids are sleeping, so it'll my, be a subdued heart's fire. fire. <laughs> you know, honestly, Voltor Thunderseer is a lot of syllables. I'll settle for a loft Elevar. Or, what uh, about Voltar Thundercock? That is, I will accept that. 
I feel like uh, that's listen. appropriate. <laughs> so upon further reflection, to dial in or buzz in, I only need you to speak from your heart's fire whatever the spell is you wish to cast. Uh, whether that would be Ansara or Mr. Hans, that is fine, so long it is as it is spoken from your heart's fire. So very good, very good. I, I've got seven seven titles for you, gentlemen. Oof. Once again, one point is earned for the correct the correct title. Uh, one point is earned as a bonus if you can guess what language it is retranslated from. So your first title translated from another language for a Ooh, famous we're, movie. We're bogging down. Glass Jungle. Glass Jungle. Your options are A, Jungle to Jungle, B, Predator 2, C, Die Hard, or D, Escape from New York. Glass Jungle. I will give it to Bing Bong the Brave. Die Hard. Die Hard is correct. Really? And for the extra point, what language do you believe that was translated from? I think a lot of these are going to be Japanese or Chinese because they that is not correct. But that would my guess was going to be Japanese, but they do change titles and they're often quite silly. Okay, can I steal the language? I will allow a steal for the language. It's French. Ah, oh, you were close. It was indeed Spanish. Mm, dang, I think okay. French is something close to Glass Jungle, but I don't know. I'd have to go yeah, back. And- I- I, I'm vaguely familiar with the Die Hard series' names in foreign languages from a similar quiz type thing, and they're really interesting. Just for the record, for whatever reason, Die Hard apparently does not translate well just does not outside of the U.S. No. Yeah, so they go with some really weird names for those movies. Okay, moving on. Sorry. Number two, Hurricane Rescue. Is that a tornado? B taken. C the Hurricane, D, The Rescuers. Experience. Rescue. Two, Bing Bong the Brave. It's Taken. I'm sorry? Taken. It is indeed Taken. Hurricane why does rescue. that make sense? <laughs> why does that make sense? I don't know, but I'm going to say... Is see. there a hurricane take? I've never seen Taken. Is there a hurricane no, in that there's, movie? There's most definitely not a hurricane. Except for one of fists. Storm. Fists and kicks. It's more like a tornado. And scally Liam Neeson. Okay, whatever. Yeah. So, for the extra point, what was the language? German. That is incorrect. Chinese. I see. Chinese man. I should have stuck with my original rule. should have stuck with your gun. No, no, obviously you don't know German because literally the, the German translation probably was like, Taken. No, really taken. Because talking. Yeah, German. You know what? You know what the German word for Glockenspiel uh, uh, is? Glockenspiel. Glockenspiel. No, uh, the uh, the German word for gloves is gloves. Hand socks. <laughs> nice. So, that see, that is how I don't feel so bad about rescue. German language is. What, what, do you, what do you call those things you put on your fingers? Uh, they're hand socks. I mean, they're for what it's worth. Hands. Like, I mean, why, why create a new word when you can just use one you've already got and the body part it goes on? The socks go on your feet, but those those are hand socks. I mean, for what it's worth, socks in Japanese is just below shoes. Below, yeah, exactly, yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway. All right. Moving on. So that is that is Bing Bong the Brave with two to Chumpzilla the Cantankerous's zero. Chumpzilla, you got to get on the board here. Uh, yeah. Quick fact. Three. Mr. Hands Number loves three. hand socks. Loves. Yes, he does. Jazz hand socks. American Nightmare. American Nightmare is that A, Vice, B, Biggest Dickus, Nightmare on Elm Street. No, our current reality. <laughs> that is not like, one of the like, options. Like right now, be. like today, what I'm living right now. Oh, I'm sorry. C, C, continue on. C, American Psycho, or D, The Purge. So again, that was. American Nightmare. Biggest dickus. I'm going to go with The Purge. That is correct with that. Chumpzilla the Cantankerous is on the board. Would you like to take a guess what language that was from and tie it up? Portuguese. Ah, French. You were close. I didn't even get a chance to guess. But I'd also like to point out that The Purge is also pretty close to our current reality. We're almost there. It's just a matter of time before Trump declares The Purge. Oh, I hope not. Uh, welcome, welcome to uh, the the quarantine pod, everybody. We're all feeling pretty raw, but we're trying to have fun here, so let's keep playing this game. Number darkest four. timeline, bros. Darkest timeline. I, I definitely watched that episode last night. Are, are we are, like? Have we gone full on man in the high castle at this point? I feel like we have. I don't know if you've noticed, but we've all got beards, so that's probably. I mean, I've stopped shaving. Up, but darkest timeline, no problem. Yeah, I, I thought today was Monday for a good, like, six hours. Regardless, let's focus back in here. I didn't even know what yesterday was. Apparently, that was Sunday, too. I don't know. Number four, SOS Phantoms. Would that be A, Ghostbusters, B, Patronus, Phantoms, A, Ghostbusters, C, Scrooge, or D, Ghost? A, Patronus. From your heart's fire, I don't hear it. Patronus! There it is. All right. Two, Bing Bong the Brave. A, Ghostbusters. It is indeed A, Ghostbusters. But this was a trick question because there is another one of those that is correct. So, Chumpzilla, if you're still from your heart's fire, I'll let you take a shot at the other three. Your other options, Phantoms, Scrooge, Ghost, for SOS Phantoms. Scrooge, Ghosts, and Phantoms? Yes, for SOS Phantoms. Oh my god, well, Scrooge is Dickens, so I think they get a better international title. Um, uh, Ghost? That is incorrect. In fact, it was Scrooge. Why? That's That makes the least amount of sense. This is definitely Welcome uh, to the game. Japanese Here's the fun part. Way. Here's the fun right. part. SOS Phantoms? For Ghostbusters was in a different language than Scrooge. So, to you, that somehow makes less sense. To Bing Bong the Brave, what was the language that SOS Phantoms was for Ghostbusters? Japanese. French. Thanks for trying. And to you. What is wrong with the French? (laughs) To you, Chumpzilla. Chumpzilla the Cantankerous. SOS Phantoms also Scrooged, but in what language? I'm going to go Chinese on this one. Italian. Both romance languages. You can't call yourself a romance language if you retitled Ghostbusters SOS Phantoms. 
I, I guess it does. <laughs> it's less about romance know. and more about Roman, but yeah, moving on. All right, we are halfway through. It is a score of 3-2-1. Chumzil, you are still very much in this game. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I will, I will ask, before you chime in, let me read out the multiple choice. Okay, fine. But I knew oh. don't just... Mr. That's fine. Hans does not approve. All right. So next up, number five, the incredible journey in a crazy airplane. Is that A, airplane, B, snakes on a plane, C, United 93. <laughs> That's, That's terrible. Plane. Jesus. That's, wow. You wanted us to cut Mr. Hands and you pull a United <laughs> 93 joke? Fuck. <laughs> Uh, well, we all know it was an inside job. Not different jokes. Oh, my uh, God. Shit, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Hang on. Let me try that again. <clears throat> Jet fuel cannot melt these steel beams. <laughs> uh, that rock hard, folks. No. Mr. Oh, Hands, look no. out. No. <laughs> Number five. The incredible journey in the crazy airplane is that A, airplane, B, snakes on a plane, C, United 93, or D, stole plane. Impedimenta. Whew. From your hot fire. Uh, it's airplane. I, I, I don't hear it. I need to hear it from your heart's fire. Oh, impedimenta. All right. To Bing Bong the Brave. It's airplane. It is, in fact, airplane, yes. Uh, I really wanted that to be soul plane. I'm not going to lie. Behind, four to one, Bing Bong the Brave. Can you guess the language that was translated from Incredible Journey in a Crazy Airplane? Sounds French to me. German. I was going to say German. <sighs> All right. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Remember, Just... when, remember when he said United 93 and I thought it was a joke and then he was going to read the four actual choices, but then he said it again? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Listen, was was that was that the Nick Cage one? That was tw- uh, that no, was the that's two towers. about nine eleven. Well, that is too. The Nicholas Cage was in the the Twin Towers, which Oliver Stone directed. Uh, yeah, they're both very good. Oh, movies. this was the Mark Wahlberg one. No, right? there's nobody famous in United ninety three really. Wahlberg is in the Boston oh, no, Mark, Marathon. Mark Wahlberg, he, he, the Boston Marathon one. Yeah. yeah. All right, number six, Captain supermarket would that be a employee of the month b empire records c army of darkness or d dawn of the dead 2004 captain supermarket stupefy i mean listen chum as much as i would like to give it to you no no bing bong the brave did speak from his heart's fire so he did he did army of darkness it is, in fact, Army of Darkness. It's Captain that was going to be my guess, too. Dang it. Would you like to take a guess what language that is translated from? Bing Bong the Brave. This is my boomstick. I'm going back to Japanese. Japanese is correct. There it is. Captain Supermarket. You know what? Captain screw you, you primitive screwheads. All right. At this point, Chumzilla, you cannot win. Um, and, in fact... It is six two one. Uh, at least as a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals, I am 
completely familiar and comfortable with being statistically eliminated from the playoffs. So thank you. You're quite welcome. Uh, but this is for your own pride. The final title number seven, the black hole, is that A, <laughs> Mr. Black. Fingers is last. Mr. Hands. <laughs> Mr. Hands. <laughs> Where do I win? I are you are you speaking from your heart's fire to buzz in, or are you just guessing randomly at a film that doesn't exist? Uh, yes, yes. All right. So let me let's try that again. No. Okay. Okay. Number seven, the black hole is that a pitch black, b interstellar, c lost in space, or d event horizon. Obliviate. Again, do Chumzilla, do you just not understand speaking from your heart's fire? I apparently do not. That is a tough place to be. Yeah. I mean, of the two of you, you are, are clearly the barley. So I will turn to the Ian, Bing Bong the Brave. What is your answer? My guess is interstellar. That is incorrect. Oh. Okay. Leaving uh, you, Chumzilla, with pitch black. Lost in space. Biggest dickest event horizon. That is also incorrect. Dang. The correct answer was pitch black. Black that doesn't hole. Make any sense. The black hole. <laughs> okay, okay. Hold, hold up though. It was translated um, from Russian, so mm. oh, yeah. Okay. So no, thanks, I... thanks, Putin. Um, <laughs> black hole is actually an excellent movie. Okay, and just to be clear here, folks, I am referencing a 1979 Disney movie, The Black Hole. Um, I enjoyed it as a kid. I watched it on VHS a million times. It's fun. It's a little scary. I highly recommend it. So sorry to get kind of weird here, but The Black Hole, check it out. I think you can get it for like three bucks online. It's it's kind of cool. Shouldn't it be on Disney Plus? It is probably on Disney Plus. It's pro- I mean, what what is that? Did you hear is that, that like a, on Disney Plus? Is that like YouTube? Put fake hair over Daryl Hannah's ass and splash. I <laughs> I did I did, I did see that and it's bad. She's yeah, it's, got like a really butt bad. mullet. Yeah. Like hashtag butt mullet. Get that get that started, folks. Captain Cash. Hashtag, hashtag butt, mullet. butt mullet. Let's make you it. You came here first, kids. All right. Well, at the end of the day, at the end of the day. It was six to one in favor of our young wizard, the Bing Bong the Brave. Um, I am sorry, Chumpzilla the Cantankerous. Please go back to your troll cave. Done. I only have one thing to say about my victory. Who's your friend that likes to play? Bing Bong, Bing Bong. That's right. Mr. Hands. <laughs> uh, he loves to play. All right. Well, if you stuck with us this long, thank you for listening. Um, we're going to do some recommendations now, uh, what we're watching to stay through the quarantine and also what you could do to try to help out. Uh, so to you, Bing Bong the Brave, the winner of the trivia challenge. Okay. Uh, I'll do a couple of recommendations because I understand this will go on for a few more weeks, probably a couple of months. Uh, and let's be honest here, everything that happens should be in the best interest of all of our safety. I'm going to recommend a movie. I'm going to recommend a show. I'm going to recommend a video game. 
I have a book too if you'd really like it, but I'll just start with those three. So, uh, show, Hunters, Amazon Prime. It's basically based on Project Paperclip, which is a real historical event of us importing Nazi scientists to the United States to do our heavy thinking. Atomic bombs. Atomic bombs, uh, how we got to space, building better weapons. Uh, so in the show, a group of Holocaust survivors is hunting down Nazis who are now living comfortably in America. Uh, I liked it a lot. I also recommended this on... Uh, I was just on the Double Turn podcast talking WrestleMania. So there's a recommendation. If you're a wrestling fan, check out three-part Double Turn podcast where I talked uh, WrestleMania 36. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, second recommendation. So we'll go video game Resident Evil 3. Just came out a couple weeks ago. Remake? It's a, it's a remake. Yeah, re-release. Yeah. It's ah. uh, totally redone. I had never played Resident Evil 3, and I've played virtually every Resident Evil game, even the really stupid ones, like the online multiplayer one on PlayStation. Qu- quick aside here. Which one came out on GameCube? Resident one, Evil 4. Right? And then the four. Resident Evil 1 remake. But 4 was a remake, big exclusive yeah. for GameCube. Yeah, uh, I played that on, for just viewers, everyone know, I did play that on the Thunderous Wizards GameCube back in the day. Gary, Gary the GameCube, who unfortunately... He's the only guy I knew with a GameCube. ...passed away because I lost a Mario baseball contest and proceeded to murder him. Rest in peace, Gary. You got some real problems. Rip, Gary. All yeah, right, over college. to... Uh, Chumzilla, uh, what are your oh, recommendations? Wait, I have, I, I oh, have one more. One? He's not done yet. Let I have finish. a movie, and it is The Call of the Wild. Oh, no. So last week we Mr. talked... Mr. Hands! We talked a lot about where we were in our quarantine. Well, here's where I'm at. That I got so nostalgic about Harrison Ford, I bought Call of the Wild. <laughs> and I watched it, and yes, the CGI dog is weird looking, but you can ignore that. Uh... It's a decent movie. You should probably just read the book. But what's not to love about a dog's yearning for love and a sense of freedom and an old man's need to find meaning in life again? Bring on the tears. I loved it. I loved most of it. Some of it is peculiar and off-putting. Bing Bong and the Braves' uh, opinions do not reflect the pod (laughs) as a whole. they are his opinions and his opinions alone. Call the wild. Over to Chumpzilla, your recommendations. How are you surviving this quarantine? Poorly. Um, <laughs> frankly, I'm losing the, my goddamn I, I feel mind. like we all are. We all are. That's all right. But what are uh, you doing to help take the edge off outside of the heavy drinking? Drugs. Um, so... You're maintaining um, six feet of distance when you deal with your dealer, correct? It's more of like, a, is it a drop service or how? Yeah, does it's, that a, it's drop service. The guys, yeah, nice. it's like Uber yeah. Eats, but for like barbiturates. Um, there you are. So, to stick with the terrible CGI angle, um, and I can only hope that we get the butthole cut. Uh, we I did. Like, sort of. Well, like a trailer. We got a trailer for the butthole cut. Uh, what I would recommend, though, is check out. I can't think of this individual's name, um, but she's a content creator on YouTube. Uh, there's a, a a person that did a video on 
the phenomenon that is cats. It's called Why Is Cats? It's about that an hour Lindsay long. Lindsay Ellis. Lindsay yeah, Ellis. Former, I knew, former nostalgia chick. She's great in almost everything she does. Good. I, I, she seemed famous. This is sort of a short answer. Why cats? Because it's awesome and the soundtrack is enchanting. Well, and it's pretty funny because they play a clip early in it where the guy's like, well, it's, it's, it's just, it's about cats. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's about cats. So, but it's a really interesting look into how that movie got made and some of the behind the scenes stuff. And you can kind of see how, like, Hollywood being kind of smug and high on their own farts could convince <laughs> themselves that that was a good idea. Basically, it's bit Les Mis. They said, hey, Les Mis worked, so Cats has to work. I still think that we got robbed. It should have been an, an Amblin animated movie. That would have been trippy and probably awesome. Um, but anyway... Yeah. I will say, Lindsay Ellis's whole library is incredibly well-researched. I think very highly of her as a content creator. And if we ever get half as good as her, I think we have have mastered the universe. That's fair. Like, that Cats video, it's like 58 minutes long or something like that. But it's great. It's great. I mean, she has an like, amazing Game of Thrones thing. She talked about Cutthroat Island years ago under the whole nostalgia chick label. No, she's... She's good people and understands film like whoa. Yeah, yeah it, it was. I enjoy. I enjoyed it. Like it was a good rabbit hole to fall down during this. Well, absolutely. Weird in library. between it's time. Great. I right. I imagine Tom Hooper when he was directing that, like the scene in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back when they try to ask Gun Van, Gus Van Sant a question, and he's just counting his money and he's, his money and he says, "Damn it, Ben, I'm busy." <laughs> well, it's even funnier because she's. Because she basically says, like, and by the way, he's shitty at musicals. Like, she she dogs on him pretty hard. Like, there's she's basically saying the studio should have had no faith in him to get cats right because his Lay Miz was like a happy little accident. I Lay Miz survived entirely on the performance of Anne Hathaway's I Dreamed a Dream, but that, we're getting out of it. Hugh Jackman's anyway. in that movie. I understand your love for Hugh Jackman. Wait, I, feel it's, I feel it's really weird that you talk about Anne Hathaway in the Hugh Jackman movie. Yeah. I that's, mean, she certainly movie. outshined Russell Crowe, who looked like he'd stumbled on set after one too many Fosters. <laughs> which, which is pretty standard for Russell Crowe, yeah, right? right. Just, like, yeah. like he had just been shooting the man with the iron fist. He's like, what's this set? <laughs> and, and, I'm gonna and, go in and there he, for a while. he was on that movie. He just thought he was hanging out with some guys at the pub. Yeah. Oh boy, is this karaoke night? Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Russell Crowe. Like, I mean, he's got a band and stuff. I know the dude can sing. Uh, all right, stop. My recommendation, as it has been the last three weeks, is going to be again Meals on Wheels. Uh, please donate if you can. It's a weird time for everybody, as you can tell by the weirder than normal stuff that's happening on the pod. So stay sane where you can, stay safe, and we'll catch you next time. Onward. What, what, what are we do? What are we doing next time? What's up? Uh, we're gonna have a special guest next time, and we're gonna nice. do an all-time awful movie starring a handsome, charismatic son of a bitch, Pierce Brosnan. Hugh Jackson. Dante's Peak. 
<laughs> Whoa! Wait, are we? Are, is is this the... the one and the only Mayor McCheese is in fact joining us for Dante's Peak? Holy shit! Mayor McCheese is dropping by to talk some Dante's Peak. Yeah. I love it. Hey, here's the deal, though. I, I'm only gonna do this pod if we can like simulcast it with all of us playing Goldeneye together. Well, I'm certain that could possibly happen in some fashion. I feel like it needs to happen. Like, is there some way to like contort the interwebs so we can all like <clears throat> emulate uh, an N64 and play Goldeneye just for Pierce Bronson and Mary McCheese? I feel like that's appropriate. I'm only in it if Mary McCheese will finally answer the question: Can the outbreak virus kill the grimace? I... And. Is the Grimace actually just a human-sized butt plug? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, he is. We're the jungle giant. Oh. But I, I am just happy to make a Kirk's animated reference. Oh. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I watched uh, Hey, uh, the Hamburglar would like to smuggle a little bit of that Grimace action. I'm just saying. Uh, so... Yeah, other than that, uh, if you've got recommendations, we are going to do a special episode with one of the guys from uh, The Double Turn. i got to figure out timing on that, where we'll talk about the Lethal Weapon movies. Hey, and those guys at Double Turn, those are solid dudes. That's a good pod. Uh, they cross-promotion really era. Yeah. They, uh, I, I, caught, I caught your episode over there, uh, Thunderous Wizard, and that was good stuff. Those guys are they're entertaining, and they know they're wrestling. Yes. They both what we can say for movie. our movies. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I don't know shit. I know wrestling. Those guys know wrestling. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. We'll see you next time. All right. Everybody. Dante's Peak. It's about to explode like Mr. Hans' colon. Thanks, <laughs> Stay safe. <laughs> Stay inside. We're going to get through this together. <laughs>